Welcome to another episode of Wheel Adventures. This is episode six. This episode, we're going to talk about over July 8, 9, and 10 of 2022 here. We went to the Pacific Northwest Overland Expo. The Overland Circus came to town, and we went. Spent all three days in hot weather interviewing, oh, good Lord, I probably interviewed two dozen or more folks related to four-wheel drive vehicles, motorcycles, and overlanding gear. I tried to focus on things that were interesting to me and I think interesting that would be interesting to you too. Things that are relevant and unique to overlanding, exploring, and travel. We interviewed some folks that have written books and done journeys. We interviewed Scott Brady at Overland Journal at the booth there he had. It was a real honor to speak with him. He is one of the motivating factors that drove me to actually start doing this podcast. We're going to have to split these up into a few categories, vehicles, gear, uh, maybe motorcycles separate, and so that we can break it down into kind of categories, and we'll probably do it over, break it up over several episodes anyways, over the next few weeks or so. This is overlanding materialism at its best. I try and focus more on the adventure than the tools, but let's admit it, the tools are fun. It's easy to get caught up with with cool gear. And so, onward and outward, I hope you enjoy. So, uh, yeah, we're here at Oregon Adventure Trucks, and I'm with my friend Brent, uh, who I've, I've known you for a few years now, yeah. when you used to be working for Earth Cruiser. Yep. And uh, he made the smart move of uh, starting his own company and selling the uh, the AT truck gear as well as uh, some of the he was just telling me that he's got a uh, he's got a brick and mortar shop now that people can stop by and oh, yeah. get stuff yep right uh, right in Bend we're right next to the uh, 10 barrel Brewings East Side pub so off of 18th Street we got a retail space that has pretty much if you're into Overlanding, or what I just say is like off-road car camping. Um, we we pretty much have everything to outfit you. You know, we do the work ourselves, or we just have you know everything from camp chairs all the way up to fridge slides to you know the full-on campers. So, yeah, that's something that's really really needed, and it complements what you're doing with the truck campers. And uh, so I wanted to ask you uh, two segments of talking, and, and I don't want to keep you too long because this is this is your business to talk to people coming into the, the booth area, but uh, I want you to tell me about the AT truck stuff and especially the new Aterra camper, sure. and I also want you to speak a little bit about the um, the backcountry cleanup stuff that you're doing, which is really awesome. Yeah, so thank you. Let's, yeah. You want to do business first? And yeah, we'll do business first, and then I'll end with the cleanup since, uh, since to me that's kind of the most important is the philanthropic stuff, you know? Like... Uh, 
um, if, if, if we don't do the cleanup work and keep the uh, public lands accessible, the, the business stuff will go away. So, Such a good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so we are the Pacific Northwest dealer for all AT Overland uh, toppers and uh, the new Aterra camper. Um, the ATs are lightweight truck toppers. Uh, they have a, an aluminum shell on them, but uh, that's really not what the structure is all about. It's about the composite panels that's, uh, that, that kind of make up the interior. So a little bit different than the other toppers that you kind of see on the market. Um, AT's also been doing it probably the longest, but the, uh, the, the composite sides allow you to make it more form fit to kind of be that gap between, I don't want a full blown out camper, but I want some of those luxuries. So you can add windows, you can add skylights, you can add fans, you can add, you know, heaters inside and, and uh, full electrical kits and things like that, where if you just have like, you know, a regular aluminum sided thing, you, you really don't have the, the ability to option out that much stuff. Um, and that's kind of what, what I really like about the, the AT products is that they feel a lot more comfortable for, for, for you when you go camping. Um, when you still just want a lightweight setup that fits on the back of your truck that's, uh, you know, secure and lockable and everything. Yeah. So there's three different versions. We got the, uh, the Habitat, which is like a big flip-out tent that makes like a big awning in the back. Um, then we have the Summit, which is a wedge-style uh, pop-top camper. And then the newest topper that they came out with a couple years ago is the Atlas, and that one's a full pop-top. Uh, that one goes straight up in the air. Most headroom uh, of a full pop top that you can get at six foot ten from the floor of the bed to the ceiling, so you can still sit up in bed. You can sleep both directions. Um, it's a really, uh, really slick setup. I like the Atlas a lot. Yeah, the feeling of spaciousness of the full, like we, our sports mobile van has the penthouse, the pop up, yeah. that gives you a lot more, just a lot more feeling of space. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's, you know, I always call it an evolution of overlanding, right? Like, you you know, when you're a kid, you start out ground tents, and then you kind of move into, like, yeah. a truck cap, but then you just realize, like, I want to stand up and put my pants on, you know? <laughs> it's nice to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it just kind of gets you into these uh, these different systems, and when the top, the toppers are really starting to take off, um, I think because of that, that comfort, that additional space um, that you want to have when you go out and you spend time in the wilderness like everybody should get out there and do. So. Yeah. It's hard to have an appreciation for nature if you don't actually go out in it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're kind of addressing something we talked about in our second episode about choosing a vehicle. And um, on this spectrum of minimalism, from my first vehicle I ever had was a, I don't know if you know what a Suzuki LJ20 is, but it was the predecessor, mm -hmm. as you know to the Suzuki Samurai, yep. and it had a 360cc motor. So we could not, basically we put cat backpacking gear in it, and that was in 1980, and we went up from Colorado into Wyoming. So that was like at the, you know, it was basically like motorcycle touring or bicycle touring, right? Similar size engine. So, <laughs> well, new bikes these days. Yeah, well, the engine is about half the size of my DR650 Suzuki <laughs> motorcycle that I have now. But um, there's that spectrum that people, uh, it seems like there's a tendency to follow this evolution of going from, you know, driving a Jeep like a JK or, you know, four-door Jeep or a Land Cruiser with uh, maybe a rooftop tent to 
to the bigger vehicles now becoming more popular, yeah. more comfort, more convenience. That's essentially why we went to the sportsmobile, mm -hmm. and why I think people that would make maybe make that evolution, that progression from more minimalist camping to um, something like the Aterra, especially if you're like we go. I just couldn't visualize being in the Hummer H3 we used to have with the mm -hmm. rooftop tent yep. for four months of the winter being yep. in Arizona. It's just, it, you know, you, you can certainly do it, but do you want to do it? With wind happening and bugs and cold sometimes and rain, it's really nice to be able to, in the, in the AT, you know, the truck campers and the Aterra, to be able to escape the elements. The downside that I noticed with the bigger rigs, mm -hmm. and this is one of those things that you play off of, like in, you, you, you're balancing values, that you have a ten, we have a tendency to be like inside when we could be outside. True. You know what I mean? True. It's easy to escape to your to your hidey hole. Yeah. Right. The. Um, I always look at what your priority is. Like you know, I, I know that. You know, I love what we sell, and it kind of fits my purpose. That's why I kind of got into it. But it's not for everybody. Um, when I mean, like, some people want to do more rock-crawling adventures, and just when they get up that trail, um, they want to set up camp, and they want to do it up there. So their platform's never going to change further than a Jeep or some type of sure. small vehicle that has really big tires and is lifted. And, and that is quite fine, and that is you know, a lot of fun in its own regard. I'm not that person. I'm the person that wants to, like, I love travel. So I'm going to enjoy going to, you know, a really delicious Thai food restaurant in downtown San Francisco just as much as I'm going to enjoy, you know, going out in the middle of Death Valley and making, you know, um, you know, making some tacos out there, you know, with nobody else around. It's sure. just, it's the experience of travel for me. I'm not too much into you know, trying to do every single hardcore, you know, road that's out there. That's, that's just not my cup of tea. So for me, it's like, I can travel fine with, you know, small size tires and it's the comfort that I like. Um, so everybody has, you know, something, I, I think as the industry has grown, you know, here in the U S um, there's so much out there because everybody has a different priority for how they want to travel and how they want their setup and how they want their setup to be individualistic. Yeah. Exactly. So when people come to me and they're just like, you know, well, sell me on this or what's the gear. It's like, well, tell me what you're looking for first. You know, like I'm not going to try to sell you a bunch of gear right off the bat. Last thing I want is a customer that is completely unhappy because we missed the mark of what they're actually trying to do. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of where we always like to start with things and say, you know, if you already have some type of a setup, you know, use what you have and then, and then talk to me about a couple trips that you take and say, Hey, this is what I'm looking for to make my experience better. You know, that's, that's really what we like to do because you're only as good as your worst customer. And for us, it's like, you know, we want to make sure that everybody that comes through our shop ends up with a smile on their face down the road and continues to come back because they know that we're looking out for their own, their own best interests. That's the best business model. And in the bike shop mm -hmm. that I have, when people come in, uh, the first thing that I ask them is, what kind of riding do you want to do and where? And what kind of physical issues do you maybe have? And I think that same sort of thing applies to, you know, internal combustion engine and, and overlanding rigs. It's like, 
where, what are your values? Yeah. You know, what do you want to, where do you want to go and how do you want to do it? Because that, that kind of starts at the base level, the fundamentals that you need to evaluate what's the best direction yeah. for and this person. And the biggest person. thing is don't spend your time trying to figure out the gear as much as spending your time trying to get out there and actually experience the life that you're, that you're trying to build everything out for. Like, yeah. get out there is, mo is most important. Yeah. So. And how long are you going to be out there? Like, those, <laughs> what, like what I was saying, I'm more comfortable with a minimalist setup if I'm going out for a few days. Mm -hmm. But I'm not so okay with that if I'm going out for four months. Oh, absolutely not. You know? Yeah. So, and some people are fine with that. You know, like, uh, I like to watch some of the YouTube overlanding uh, video vlogs, like... Um, lifestyle overland you know kevin yeah. that does the turtleback trailer and and they're really pretty minimalist and they're out there a lot in some really horrible conditions it's like i don't want to do that as <laughs> you much can, you can do I it do in any short yeah. short periods you know yeah. but i don't want to live out there for four months having to deal with that yeah you, know? you can travel in anything it gets down to what can you afford and what's going to make your life more you know more enjoyable based off of um kind of based off of your budget right Sure. So, yeah, that's a big factor too. Yeah. It's like not everybody can afford a, uh, you know, three four hundred thousand dollar Earth Cruiser, Earth cruise, yep. or is that appropriate for them? Yeah. Um, and there's also the issue of the size of the vehicle versus where do you want to go, and like I've gotten place into places where it's pretty sketchy, like in terms of the space dimensionally to get the sportsmobile through, mm -hmm. and even with the old Hummer H3, I would be on like Jeep trails. It's like the H3 is wider than a Jeep, yeah. right? So it was it was tight. Yeah, right. and you also got to think about your partner. I know when I go out with my wife, it's oh, like, absolutely. you know, yeah. where I'm completely content because I get the bug of curiosity of like, man, what's down that path and stuff. Mm -hmm. But she's like, listen, I don't want to spend six hours in the truck with my head being like a bobblehead all day long. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's make a plan together and figure out, okay, what's going to be best for both of us, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. it's gotta it's gotta be uh, a collaboration. Yeah, and you gotta consider the feelings of your passenger. Yeah, and same thing with the interior. What's gonna make her happy as we uh, set up camp for the night and we go to bed? What's gonna What's yeah. she gonna feel safe in? What's she gonna be comfortable in? So, Ringe uh, refers to the the van as the one man van. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's its official name is one man one van. One man van. Even though she's she's invited and she lives in it, but it's. It's a little, you know, it's it's a lot roomier than a lot of things out there, yeah. but uh, it's got to it, have more space than your H three did. Oh God, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, show us, uh, can you do the walk around with a new Aterra uh, yeah. uh, camper? Because yeah. this is this walk around is, without the visual. I'll try to, I'll try yeah, to just, be as we'll be as descriptive be as, as possible. Descriptive That's as the challenging be. with a challenging thing with an audio podcast is you have to really paint a picture with your words. Yeah. And uh, my vocabulary only consists of about forty words, <laughs> so it's challenging because you got to fit it in like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Well, to um, be able to be descriptive. Yeah. No. The uh, the Atera is brand new, uh, part of the AT line. Um, Mario and uh, Dave, the owner of Turnoverland, kind of had this concept years ago of making the lightest weight hard-sided camper that actually made sense for being on the back of a, of a pickup truck. And um, so a lot, over a lot of years of development, they kind of put together what now is the Atera. Uh, the main thing for the Atera is going to be how it's constructed. 
Um, it's, a, it's, it's very innovative in the actual construction. It's constructed out of all composite with no aluminum thermal bridges going from the outside to the inside. Nice. So um, for those who aren't familiar with thermal bridging, the problem is, is when you have a thermally conductive material like a metal uh -huh. that goes from outside air to inside air, it transfers uh, uh, that across it and it can create condensation. Sure. So why do you get condensation on the metal rails of like a rooftop tent or, you know, a topper or a camper or things like that? And it's because of that thermal bridge. Tem temperature yep. differential. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. if you remove those thermal bridges from inside the, you know, inside the unit, uh, you greatly reduce any potential of um, any type of condensation building up inside. So. Uh, that was a huge, a huge design benefit that really hasn't been done before. Um, and then the other thing is using all lightweight materials that are uh, still well constructed in a way that make up the camper. So the entire camper being an 80 inch by 80 inch flat tray with a king size cab over, um, fully loaded, 90 liter fridge, uh, 30 liter or 30 gallons of fresh water. Uh, using a wrap-on toilet, full sink system. I mean, it's a fully built and prepared camper to get a, get load on your truck and get up and go. The entire thing wet weighs about 1,400 pounds. Wow. So it's incredible. That's impressive. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And that's hard-sided. It's not a pop-top roof. It's a hard-sided roof. Um, but it, from the lightweight perspective, um, that will fit pretty much any half-ton truck's payload um, all the way up to full size, you know, full size one. Ton. Sure, sure. Um, all you really need is a, an 80 foot by 80 foot, you know, flat tray on the back of your truck, and you can fit this. You can fit this camper. On 80 it. inch. Oh shit! They say 80 foot. That's a huge. 80 one. foot would be. Yeah, that'd big. be like. That's yeah, a you have semi. a hard time getting that down yeah. the road. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't take that really anywhere. But no, 80 inch. Uh, yeah, thanks for the catch on that one. <laughs> that's okay. Um, maybe that one's not in my vocabulary. <laughs> so. So yeah, an 80 inch tray is basically all you need and then you can set it on. But you have all the creature comforts. It's got the Truma heater, so it runs off of propane. Nice. Um, it's got the Truma hot water heater on it, so you actually have hot water. It's got an interior shower. Uh, like I said earlier, it uses the wrap-on toilet, so completely waterless toilet. Yeah, so, those are cool. Those yeah. are so cool. Yeah, um, basically think of like a, you know, like a, it's not vacuum sealed bag, but it completely like seals off. So after you go to the bathroom, there's no odor. There's no, you know, there's no, um, there's no black water tank. No like water. we have a black water and gray water tank in the sports mobile. Mm -hmm. And we, because of that, I almost never use the toilet unless it's an emergency in a place where we can't dig a yep. cat hole. Yep. And, um, so it just doesn't get used very often yep. just because of that. It's like, I don't want to deal with it crap literally mm -hmm. right yeah and so yeah the the wrap on's uh, a great way because you end up with just basically what you would get with a wag bag that was all mechanically sealed so when you're you know done with your waste you just kind of grab it out and you can just throw it right into a trash can yeah um but no uh, you know these are the things that helped them reduce a lot of the weight um the whole exterior and interior is uh, ceramic coated so that it helps retain a lot of uh, temperature as well as it resists UV from, you know, just baking the camper when it's kind of out in the full sun. It also resists, uh, I would imagine it resists uh, desert pinstriping as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it looks like a rhino line on the outside. It does get automotive painted over top of that ceramic, um, but it, uh, it definitely has a hardy exterior shell.
So um, it's not going to just, you know, scratch itself to death when you're, you know, buzzing through the sagebrush. Yeah, and it's it's white, which is, I still maintain, is the ideal color for an overlanding vehicle because white just, all of our vehicles have been white. Even my that big 40-foot diesel pusher that I had, the 4Travel, is white. And you see these motorhomes, these RVs, and, and the Sprinter vans and these dark colors, it shows every flaw and it's basically like a solar oven yeah and the standard cover color is white but like i said it is automotive painted so for that person that just wants that sexy camper you know and wants it to color match they can actually do that yeah well it's a nice option yeah but the standard um, is white i yeah. i'm like you i think white's the best because it's going to show the least you know especially when you have a lining like this on the outside yeah i mean we've got you know the the sportsmobile is wide and we've done a lot of desert stuff and you literally can't see any of the scratches yeah. on the side so shower is there a outside shower there's an outside shower over on the driver's side that you can uh you know put a shower cube up on so uh, you can actually have like a fully enclosed outdoor shower but it always has that um it's the bullfinch you know the the flip up style kind of uh on off uh, on off plumbing that's over there so yeah. it's it's really low profile to the vehicle it's it's I think the best way to kind of put an outdoor shower in is, is using that type of, a, of an attachment. Um, and yeah, it's covered with uh, Turnoverland's windows and skylights. It's, it's super airy inside when you open up everything. Um, the new door that Turnoverland came out with is really slick. It's almost a full-size door. Um, it's a side entry type a style, a flatbed camper. But the, the screen. But the screen on it is a security screen. So if you see the bolts on the side, it's got uh, it's got two bolts on the on the bottom and on the top. Yeah, I see that. That will lock into place when you you know leave your camper, um, and you can't cut through that screen with a knife. Wow. So it's a bug screen on the outside, but the inner screen, like if you have a dog or kids or like whatever, you can just close that, and they're not going to push through it. Um, so and it looks like it's no CM proof. On the outside, it ha it's a it's a double layer screen. So the the inside is a is a really you know stout uh, kind of metal mesh, and then on the outside, it's the no CM screen. So. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I wish you could see it, but you can't because you're listening. <laughs> so, but yeah. So they, um, I really like that new door that they have, and um, yeah, there's tons of storage. I guess is the other big benefit inside this thing. So again to you can help. never have enough storage um, exactly and you that's know. where they really went over the top with uh, the different types of storage that you can get so the fun thing with this one again looking at weight savings is that they use step 22 soft bags and all these like pocketed areas so you get all these different uh, you know little units that you can pull out oh yeah let me let me look at that I love that idea I saw that uh, that's one of the first things that caught my eye when I was looking at uh, this online, is these soft bags that are like uh, like zippered pods that for overland with, oh and and the little drop pins mm -hmm. there's like there's composite drop pins that go through the little hole to hold them and from coming it out. It looks like it's wood, doesn't just, it? Yeah, this isn't wood. Um, no, so this is a material called corsa. It's um, 40% lighter than wood, but it's 30% stronger. So if you feel it, it's a fiberboard that's ridiculously oh, lightweight. <laughs> and uh, the entire interior of the camper is made of this. So you have oh, this. So and, cool. And, and when it's put together, it adds to the structure of the entire shell. Sure. So it all ends up being like kind of one unified lightweight unit that is 
like honestly bulletproof. Yeah. So um, it's an incredible thing. And then and then you have the pull-out stairs um, that help oh, you get it. up into bed as well. That's brilliant. So um, so cool. Yeah. There's a lot of just really unique features on this thing that again just make it more comfortable. The other fun thing that they didn't even recognize um, until they, you know, made the first Atera was the dinette area in the in the rear. So if you drop the bed down like you would if you were going to turn this dinette into a bed, yeah. But you left the back, uh, the seat backs up into place. You can take the uh, the king cushions off of the main bed that's used, like so that the main bed pulls out. So you actually can extend it. So it can go from a queen size all the way into a king size. Wow. And you can put these cushions in to make the bed. Well, if you want to turn the dinette into a love seat, you take two of those king cushions down, put them on the bed. You still have the backer cushions mm -hmm. on the dinette. For hanging And now out. you have a, a, a beautiful couch that's back there that has three windows surrounding it. And you can look outside. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Versatility is, is really important. And having the space to be able to sleep together would be great. The, the penthouse bed uh -huh. in the sportsmobile. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit smaller than a full-size mattress. Mm -hmm. So consequently, one of us pretty much always sleeps up in the penthouse, and sure. the other person sleeps on the couch. <laughs> uh, so we don't really sleep together generally. Yeah, this, has, this, this is super spacious, and when you pull it out to the king, you can literally sleep in any direction that you want. So yeah, yeah, and the, with the light, so the so the roof on it's angled. Yeah, and the the the, uh, the windows that are up on the sides. What I found out when going out and camping in it is you put your head right next to it and now you're just falling asleep and looking up at the oh, stars. Oh, that's really nice. And you so got the like cool a, breeze in on your, you know, on your like head. It's like a moonroof, yeah. A, it's a beautiful place to sleep. Yeah, yeah. How, how far backed up are you? You guys just started doing these. Yeah, AT just started doing it. Um, again, we're, we're just the dealer for AT up here. Sure. So um, AT is, uh, they sold a handful already, uh, just releasing it. Love I want to say that if you put a new order in with us, uh, you're probably looking at a September of next year delivery. So they're just over a year out on these right now. Okay. Yep. Well, some of the other manufacturers of rigs that are, that are not quite as well thought out that have been around for, for half a century are like two years out from yeah. what I hear. So you're uh, doing think, even better. I think uh, the supply chain with COVID has um, un unfortunately affected all those lead times for things. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if, you're, if you're thinking about getting into a new setup or getting into a rig, um, start talking about it now because you're probably gonna be on a waiting list of some type, you yeah. know? And you don't wanna, last thing you wanna do is miss the opportunity just because you know, you're worried about not having it right now. That that world is kind of beyond us until we can kind of catch back up to the supply chain yeah. issues. Which who knows when that'll happen. Yeah. So what's the, um, what's before you start putting extras on, or maybe it comes with all the extras. It comes what, with everything. It comes with everything. Solar. What's what's the, the pricing on this? So uh, the starting price, which is basically the price of the Atera XL, is uh, 69000 So, and that gets you everything that you're seeing in here. That's fully solar, lithium batteries. I mean, the power system in this thing is is great. You just pretty much never have to worry about running out of power. So some of the advantages, I know you used to work for Earth Cruiser. I think Earth Cruisers are really cool. There's always pros and cons with everything, but here you've got, for like $70,000, 
depending on what you're putting it on. Is that in, that doesn't include the flat bed? You've no, got the flat tray is something. Yeah, because we didn't want to dictate what flat tray it is. So sure. you can get something that's just as simple as just a regular flat tray, or go as you know ornate as something from Alu Tray or you know Norwell one of the other. Or, yeah, one yeah. of the other manufacturers that really kind of customizes to your need. The one we're looking at is a Highway Products custom tray that the customer built out uh, specifically to kind of fit everything. Sure. Um, and yeah, so he went to them and said, this is what I want, and this is the camper I'm putting on, and they custom built him a tray. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at, you know, what people are spending for Earth Cruiser. You know, I, I was talking to a storyteller about their vans. I mean, their vans are uh, can be well over $200,000. dollars mm-hmm. and for what you're getting here, the capability, the durability, and the serviceability are a huge advantage in a lot of ways over over the, um, you know, some of the other options out there. Yeah, and the price point, I think, when you take a look at it, um, is very reasonable with how this thing is outfitted. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the best parts. It's like, yeah, it's a $70,000, you know, sticker tag, but, um, I've seen boxes empty selling for 40, you know, and it's like once you start adding all these things into oh, yeah. it, it adds like up you're, fast. You're going way over. It's just, I mean, you know, it, it, as you start building things out, it's kind of uh, shocking, you know, where the price can actually take you. Yeah. So, you know, the Sprinter van thing can be a really good uh, vehicle for a lot of people, but I think human tendency, as humans, we have a tendency kind of to follow what everybody else does without thinking any more deeply about it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many more options out there, and this is this is one of the better ones, for less money than a lot of people would spend on like a Winnebago Revel, for example. Yeah. You know, and you'd end up with something that's more capable, more durable, and uh, hold its probably hold its value. Yeah. Better. And in a lot the long of people run. have a truck. A lot of people already own a truck. There you go. And the nice yeah. thing about what I always liked about the truck type platforms is every vehicle out there is going to have some you know a lot of problems the you know the older it gets well you can put this on a different truck if you ever wanted to change Mm. platforms or let's say you start out with a four-door truck because you have a family you know your kids go off to college it's just you and the wife but you still love the you know love the camper but you want to go to a smaller platform get a smaller truck put a flatbed on it and basically you can still reuse the camper you can take this on and off very easily there's four bolts on the corners you put jacks on the sides and you drive out from underneath of it just nice. like anything else yeah yeah well it's also something you know a ford or a gmc or whatever you can take it to your local dealer to have it serviced Service. whereas if you get an older earth cruiser with that's on a mitsubishi fuso platform you're yeah. going to commu- trying to find a commercial truck guy you know, there's just different choices out there for, yeah. for what are your priorities and what do you really like. Yeah. Um, having a, you know, having the pop-up, I know in the sportsmobile is an advantage in terms of clearing branches and, and overhangs and things like that versus one of these really tall rigs. Um, but the downside is you've got a soft-sided top mm-hmm. that is noisy in wind and doesn't insulate that well, yeah. right? Uh, the hard side is has got the, those advantages. So it all depends on what's important to you. And uh, this this is one of the sexiest rigs here uh, that I've seen. From my that's subjective opinion, I think that the Aterra has really got it going on. 
I think in this market, as I'm walking around to see where things have gone from the, the first overland rally I was ever at in playing mm -hmm. uh, to where things are at now, competition has gotten immense and fierce. And if you don't distinguish yourself at the top of the uh, heap with things that are really innovative that nobody else is doing, I think you're going to have a tough time of it, and this is really unique and innovative. That's why I love our partnership with Mario and the team at AT. Is uh, they've always pushed the boundaries, you know, with with um, seeing opportunities that are out there and trying to innovate and create something different. They did it with the truck toppers, and now they're doing it with the uh, you know the hard-sided camper and making something that nobody else is doing right now. And uh, you know, uh, being a dealer for them has been great because their customer service is phenomenal and we just kind of follow suit with how we treat our customers in the Pacific Northwest. So Nice. So uh, before we wrap up, tell me a little bit about the, the project you're doing with, with the cleanup. Yeah, so um, the, uh, uh, there, we started a group, uh, not just me, but there was, uh, uh, there was two other guys involved that we saw. Um, we are fearful in talking to the Forest Service of seeing, uh, you know, the public lands that we, you know, are why we're in this industry, you know, getting shut down because of misuse. And it, call, it comes from all user groups. You know, we want to, you know, I'm a mountain biker. I love to ski, like backcountry ski in the wintertime. So it's not just vehicle-based travel that kind of gets me in the outdoors and, and using our public lands. So, um, you know, you but you go out and everybody, you know, it's 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 a thing now it's like you know you see trash you see people misusing trails and and all the stuff so uh it was the trash side that we really decided to um want to do something about so we started a nonprofit called the public land stewards um our website is plsbend.org and uh, we started doing a organized cleanup events in mainly deschutes county in the deschutes national forest so um our first cleanup was a huge success uh, we did it back in march we uh, had 300 volunteers uh, locally show up for the cleanup. It's a, it's a short event, it's only about five hours. It starts at 9 a.m. and you clean up until about one and then we provide lunch and you know, we have local beer sponsors. Boneyard typically comes, comes out for us and you know, uh, you know, provides beer. But um, in that amount of time with the volunteers that we had, we took out 68,000 pounds of trash. Oh my God, where, where was China this? From, from, oh, of course, from China the, Hat. From oh the my China God. Hat area. Yeah, that's, that's so, a bit of a mess out yeah, there. So um, you know, now we have local companies providing dumpsters. Uh, we, have, uh, we have an event coming up this Monday. So uh, in two days, um, we're gonna be doing a cleanup back out at China Hat. Uh, we've already tagged over 40 vehicles. Uh, we have heavy equipment coming in, uh, working with the Forest Service. Um, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to taking vehicles out of the forest um, or out of anywhere uh, that you have to go through. We, we make sure that we do it legally, that we do it correctly, um, that uh, we're not breaking any laws or doing anything. So uh, we've learned a lot along the way that even though we want to clean up things, there's, there's ways that you have to go about it. So. The other fun thing that we do from a, you know from the nonprofit standpoint is we help other groups get started doing the same thing. So we worked with um, with other groups around Oregon, some in Washington. Uh, Onyx Offroad has definitely kind of come to uh, come to help us and develop help us take you know what we learned in our knowledge set and develop materials that will help groups kind of do their own stewardship thing. So if you go on their website or our website, uh, we actually have. Um, we have uh, 
you know, a checklist on how you can get started. And we're also a resource if people want to start, you can contact us and we can, we can kind of help you get going with it. So yeah, we, we do, uh, you know, we do some big cleanup events. One's coming up this Monday. It's going to be out. We're meeting at Coyote Butte. Um, so we try to get all volunteers there at 9 a.m., uh, sign some waivers for the Forest Service because all volunteer hours go to the federal government that get turned in. And then our f local Forest Service gets federal money based off of volunteer hours that are used. So if you do uh, go out and do your own type of cleanup, capture those hours for the volunteers give them to your local forest service because they can actually use that to get funding and obviously the more funding they get from the federal government the more resources go into helping the forest service maintain these areas and keeping trails nice and helping with wildfire prevention and all that stuff so so there's a huge effort behind you know not just cleaning but um you know getting volunteers out there and in, 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 in helping um i would say if if uh I don't know if this podcast is going to go live prior to the event, but... Um, I won't get it edited by then. <laughs> I didn't think so. But, uh, but uh, we're doing our, our final event for the year is going to be on September 24th, uh, back out in the Deschutes National Forest. Um, and it is uh, Public Lands Appreciation Day. It's going to be on a Saturday. So if you are listening to this and you're in the Central Oregon area or you just want to come out here and travel because this area is so beautiful, uh, we'd love a hand. We'd love for you to volunteer go to plsbend.org and sign up on the website. Normally we launch the signups um, about a month or so prior to the actual event. So we would love to see people come out. Or if you want to get involved in your own community, um, go to the website, hit us up. Uh, we would love to help because we just want to um, help keep public lands accessible for all user groups. And we don't care how it happens um, as long as people are just respectful and doing it the right way. I'm so glad you're doing this because I'm sure a lot of people do what I do, which is we're in the backcountry, we go someplace uh, to park for lunch or camp, and there's literally crap everywhere where they can't be bothered to dig a, dig a cat hole or just dump their trash. And instead of just bitching about it, uh, doing something about it yep. is more effective. Yeah, one uh, of the most, um, you know, as a traveler, one of the most handy things that you can that you can carry on you, and I don't care if you're on a bike or you're walking or whatever, just take a trash bag. I mean, think about it. You can use it for so many different things, emergency situations included, but having a trash bag on you, um, you know, wherever you go, it just gives you that one thing that you can just kind of, you know, grab. If you only have a backpack, that's fine. Just pick up a couple things that you can fit. But if you see trash out there, try to do something about it. Yeah. So in other words, what Brent's saying is the trash roos aren't just to look cool on your spare tire. It's actually for trash. You know, or, you know, the trash bags line the trash roos. That's the other thing is like people don't want to throw human poop in the back of their trash roos, right? Or whatever no, else. no, no. No, I, I always have uh, <laughs> uh, grocery bags yeah. and garbage bags. Just the grocery bags. They're compactable and they, uh, they come in handy in all occasions. So, yeah. Yeah. Brent, thank you so much for spending Oh my God, we've been well over a half an hour out of your valuable uh, expo time. And yeah, Mark, I was happy to do it, and I, I appreciate uh, you coming in and having a chat. So. I'm hoping we'll do more uh, collaboration on yeah. some you of the uh, episodes. <laughs> no, we're close. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right, you're welcome. Yeah. Tell me your name again. Uh, so uh, it's Adam and John, and Adam so we're, and John. The, we're the two owners of the company. Okay, and I'm with Nimble Vehicles, um, and they build... Uh, overlanding expedition uh, campers that are custom fit to flatbed trailers 
And are you guys doing the flatbeds yeah, as well? Yeah, we do the whole thing, and we we build the campers, we build the uh, the custom aluminum flatbed trailers, and then we do the integration onto the, the the base vehicle, and usually do suspension upgrades and winches and things like that. So we do we do everything except the the actual vehicle that we start with. So somebody will bring in a new or a used, yeah. hopefully new vehicle, um, to have all of this done. And doing the flatbed instead of getting like a Norweld or something off the shelf means that it's perfectly integrated yeah. to the camper, right? Right, right, because we actually have a very specific system that we use for mating the camper to the flatbed. There's a pin in each corner that holds it in. And so uh, somebody else's flatbed, the dimensions would be off, but also it wouldn't have those sockets to accept the pins. As well as this bed is actually specifically made for off-roading, whereas a lot of other aluminum flatbeds, flatbeds might be made for industrial use or something like that. Whereas we're concentrating on the flexibility and allowing it to do what it wants to do instead of cracking the welds, which we use very little of. So we mostly bolted it together with fasteners so that it allows it to flex and not crack. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people, myself, years ago are guilty of, is assuming something can be subjected to the kind of abuse that mm -hmm. you get off-road. As opposed to going on down a gravel road on occasion to get to a hunting camp or something, as opposed to sustain stuff. Uh, years ago, I made the big mistake thinking that this is, oh, I got my own expedition four-wheel drive camper. I had a 2002 Dodge 3500 Dually. Bad move from the get-go, right? Because uh, I got a rock caught in the wheels mm -hmm. down in Baja. Right. But I took it to Baja yeah. and um, almost got stuck on the beach once with those stupid dualies, got the rock caught in there. But I had, at the time I bought a, what I thought was like the best, like fiberglass slide-in truck camper you could buy. The most rugged mm -hmm. one, right? Northern light, like right. a 10 and a half foot Northern light. Right. Right. For, uh, no, they're great for pavement, if that's all you do. But where the cab over is there, I had to spend like $1,500 to get the spider cracks in the gel coat mm -hmm. fixed. And the thing slid around in the back constantly. It just it just was moving around back there, and it bounced and coming loose. It was it was a bad move altogether. Yeah. So, if you're new to overlanding and you're listening to this episode uh, here at the uh, Overlanding Expo, and you're thinking that you can take your off-the-shelf Lance or Northern Light or whatever, uh, and do serious off-roading with it you really might want to think twice about it. And, and <laughs> Yeah, and, and the other thing is that we, you know, unlike somebody else who's maybe, even if people are building their own campers, we have these cycles of learning where we've built, you know, over 60 of these things. And oh, okay. so, you know, and so, uh, you know, we've, and we also have a track record of having these campers out in the field for, you know, over a decade. And so we, we know that they hold up. Uh, the original prototype camper is actually in Guatemala right now, uh, and uh, and it's still a great usable camper. And so, you know, we build campers to last, uh, you know, to hold up to the rigors of off-road, but also just a camper that can be used for decades, you know, not five years. So basically, full-time capable is is a phrase that. RVers use because I, I lived full time in a fifth wheel that was the top rated RV consumer group 
fifth wheel that was ever made. And what a lot of people don't know with RVs is the same sort of thing with, with what we're talking about here, is most RVs are made to take on vacation two to four weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And the effective life is maybe 10 or 12 years. Uh, but vehicles that are made to live aboard have a different standard of construction and quality of materials that mm -hmm. don't wear out from living in the damn thing day in and day out. And all of our components, uh, all of our surfaces, let's say inside, outside, are made to, to be durable and last a, a long time as opposed to just using it occasionally and, and hoping it sticks together. So uh, everything about this camper is about ease of use, ease of maintenance, everyday life type stuff so where you're not having to do a whole lot to do what you want to do. You want to right. go out and, and have fun. You want to get to where you want to go in comfort, and that's what we what we aim for. Getting you there in comfort and, and reliability and having what you need and, and not a whole lot of what you don't need. Wonderful, yeah. Well, just, just from looking at the quality of the interior as, uh, you know, and the, you, you use composite for the cabinetry rather than building on wood or aluminum right. framework, right? Right, so we don't use Baltic birch or marine grade plywood or anything like that. Everything is either a composite or aluminum, except for a little bit of wood trim. Uh, we have some teak and mahogany in there, but that's just uh, that's just trim. Uh, and uh, what you're really looking at when you look at an expedition grade camper is that these campers are built to what we would call blue water marine standard versus RV standard. Because as you said, the RV standard is for something that's going to be used a couple of weeks a year. Blue water marine is the standard that you know ocean going sailboats are, are built to where people... A West Sail 32 yeah. versus a uh, McGregor 26. Right. <laughs> for those of you that are sailors, I'm a sailor and yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I know about uh, uh, offshore capable passage making sailboats. So it's a good analogy yeah. because uh, it's, it's a similar criteria that you're dealing with a boat that is designed to, to be sailing in force five conditions and, mm -hmm. and huge waves off the right. coast of South America is different from something you want to take on a lake or even do just mild coastal cruising and it's a it's a good analogy to off-road because there's a huge spectrum of when people think of off-road it can be anywhere from packed dirt with no gravel that's as smooth as this asphalt all the way to the most rugged difficult technical you know routes yeah. that you can imagine and, and, right? and the right camper for you comes down to what your use case is you know, for this, our campers are made for a very specific use case, uh, and it's the reason that they cost as much as they do, and they take as much time to build as they do, and they have they use the materials that they do. Uh, and if your use case matches this camper, then it'll be an amazing camper for you. But yeah, if your use case is not overland travel, uh, then. You know, there are some other campers out there that are great and are very comfortable campers that cost less, uh, but they're not going to work in the use case that this camper is intended for. Yeah, yeah. Awnings and high winds where you just leave your awning out from the time you get to, to the time you leave and never worry about it. That's really nice because we've got a, uh, I've got a four-wheel drive Sportsmobile E350 camper mm -hmm. and uh, we've got the Fiamma uh, awning. Mm -hmm. and. I'm always, when the wind's coming up, it's like if we're off hiking, it's like, oh, God, we got to get back. The, wind, the wind's going to tear the awning off. Yeah. 
yeah. and in this and as adam was saying this this awning is this is our awning we designed so you're it making and it. we build it and nice. we make it because it it's designed specifically to fit this camper and also we made a trade-off in terms of size because we really wanted it to hold up in 25 30 mile an hour winds which this one will yeah and the one we're looking at right now the first thing I noticed, it's 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 on the F, is it the 550? 550. Yeah, the yeah. 550 medium duty truck. And it's got Continental uh, MPT-81s that are, are those 44s on there? 44s, 33, yeah. yeah, my first comment was, is that for driving over like Volkswagen Beetles in, in stadiums in front of thousands of people? Uh, and uh, it's so burly looking, it's freaking awesome. I just would never want to have to change a wheel that big. Yeah, it, but the thing is, to, to to actually damage one of these tires, you have to work really, really hard to damage right. them. Right. Uh, right. They are yeah. they are pretty indestructible. They've designed a behind the cab um, cage that contains the uh, spare tire and I assume it rolls out of there yeah. and you've got a winch on there. Yeah, it has a little 2,000 pound ATV winch behind it that you use for lowering it With down. The remote control. Yeah. So you essentially yeah. guide it and it does all the work. So it's, for its size it really is almost effortless. It is even, I would say, less effort than lowering a tire out of the back of a pickup truck. Nice. And they, everything is just so well thought out. Like on the door where the toolkit is, underneath the, um, that cage for the spare tire, they've got quick fists for shovel and for a Fisker axe. And it's, it's so fun to figure out, like, starting from scratch. It's like, okay, we need this stuff. Where are we going to put it all? That's like this fun game of playing a, like a jigsaw puzzle of where does this fit in the context of accessibility convenience and will it fit in there right. you know and we're and you can see we're, we choose industrial products when we can so the compressors that we use the air compressors are made by a company called extreme outback it's their extreme air dual compressors uh, and these are 100 percent duty cycle compressors that are used on construction equipment uh, so this is so industrial great right, so this is a commercial industrial uh, compared to an ARB, which is a good product, but that's consumer slash prosumer, which has very d different performance expectations compared to an actual you know, industrial earth moving equipment would have something like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for giving us the walk around uh, and of, of your rigs in general, and uh, really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you. So I'm with Davis here and uh, the name of your company in Bend is we're Technique Vehicle Outfitters. Technique Vehicle Outfitters in yep. Bend so yeah I'm glad I asked you about that because we live in Redmond and I didn't know you guys were there yeah so we're, we're now I have somebody to send to about these uh, the Overland X campers the Camp FX and the camp uh, the base camp we looked at this like I was just telling Davis before we bought our uh, the sportsmobile I was this this was my first choice to go on a truck to buy another pickup truck and uh, do a flatbed with this uh, with their campers because their construction methods are just so far advanced from the the long-term ones that uh, will remain nameless that have been around for decades and decades 
Um, it uses composite materials and advanced adhesives and an aluminum framework. Well, you you could tell us about it and uh, uh, how you got uh, moved towards becoming dealers for, yeah. for Overland X. Yeah, absolutely. So Overland X is uh, made up in Canada, up in Alberta. It started by a guy, guy named uh, Arnold, and he's been in manufacturing and production for the last 20 years or so. Um, and more recently, he switched over to building the campers and started uh, OEV. Um, and so they, they know manufacturing, they build a really nice product. Um, when we were looking for a product for our shop, we were looking something that uh, was high quality, something that uh, would appeal to a certain customer base, but uh, also be something that we could stand by and stand behind. Um, and we found the perfect product with, with the OEV. Um, we're, we're really happy with the way that they've been performing and, and everybody can attest to just the overall performance and, and usability and the ergonomics of, of these campers. So um, we're really happy with them. We've been a partner with them for about a year now um, and have been doing a really, uh, really nice job. Are you the exclusive uh, Oregon uh, dealership? So we are the Pacific Northwest dealer form. Yeah. Okay, so, so we cover the whole Pacific Northwest. We get nice. a lot of people that come in from out of state, um, and then there's some other distributors throughout the U.S. There's a guy named KP that's here with us uh, at Overland X, and he's Big Sky up in Montana was the first dealer that he had, and that's yep. the only dealer when I was considering getting one of these was all the way up in, in uh, up near the border in Montana. It's like, oh, God, I don't want to have to drive all the way over there. Yeah. So it's nice to see that you guys are local. Um, I have uh, talked to several people on the road that have kind of mainstream, like Palomino or Lanch uh, truck campers that say, yeah, I want to go off-road. This is not suitable for off-road. Uh, I can attest to that. We had a northern light that we took to Baja. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say no bueno to that. Not uh, quite so light. It, well, it it kind of did some damage <laughs> just just from driving on. And we didn't do that much off-road. Yeah. So if you're a truck camper, as I have reiterated, maybe in this episode, maybe previous episode, if you think that any old truck camper is suitable for more than smooth gravel roads once a year to get to your hunting camp, you got, you got a surprise coming because uh, there are several out there now on the market that are off-road, truly off-road capable, but I would have to put OEV um, as, as one, of the, one of the top up there. I mean, when you look at Alaskan campers that were built in the 50s and 60s that people are still selling yep. on, on classified ads from that era that are still functional, they're probably pretty manky, but uh, most of them, but they're still functional. And they're made with materials that aren't nearly as advanced as these. So uh, these things are going to live longer than you, basically, is what we're saying, right? They're going to last a very long time. Yeah, yeah. And we like them because they, they do offer a variety of different options for, uh, you can get the Giant Summit, which goes on a 550, all the way down to a sliding camper that will go in the back of your Tundra. So uh, we like the, the diversity and of, of having so many different options and they're all constructed the same way and they're kind of a, a timeless camper so yeah yeah same design but uh, um, the way that it's constructed and designed is, is their own take and it's uh, really well laid out they use insulated material for their pop-up 
which I can attest to myself. If you don't have insulation, you know, our sportsmobile, uh, the way it comes with the penthouse fabric, uh, the cold just, I mean, as soon as the furnace cuts off, it's cold. It, it's cold and it kicks back on within seconds. And with ours, the previous owner, I don't know if they had it custom made or made it themselves, but we only just started using it because uh, it's a little bulky. It fits into a, a duffel bag, but it's a snap-in insulated liner yep. that made an enormous difference. So I'm assuming that they're our factor standard on the fabric of their pop-ups are about the equivalent of what we have to snap in, which takes like 10 minutes. It's a little bit of a pain in the neck. Yeah, yeah so that makes a big difference, not only uh, thermal insulation, heat, cold, but also to a certain degree, you get a little more sound insulation yeah, for absolutely. noisy neighbors and single engine planes going overhead. So, uh, <laughs> yep. so cool. So how far backed up are you guys uh, for people that are that are thinking about uh, so the campers that. are turning around about eight to ten weeks depending on which camper so it's pretty quick wow yep and it depends on it depends That's on impressive. what camper they want um, yeah the base camp is a little bit on the longer with the summit as well um, just because they're a bigger integrated build uh, the base camp and the summit are their two large builds and they're they're built to the chassis of the truck um, whereas the other slide-ins are a little bit quicker turnaround but yeah about eight to ten weeks nice well, that's a lot better than the competition from what I've been hearing. Yep. And I beg you as a listener, if you're shopping for a uh, truck camper, like a flatbed or a slide-in, don't be a freaking lemming and just get what everybody else gets. Look around at what else is out there and look at these. So thanks for talking to us, Davis. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Thanks. So we're with Zach, and Zach works with cube series campers mm -hmm. and I saw the prototype for this when uh, Ringe and I were hiking down by the Deschutes River like months ago and uh, I was really excited about this concept because even not popped up it's a truck camper that pops up without a cab over but it looked very light compact and extremely well designed and I couldn't wait to see it in person and so we're talking with Zach now who is you're in production mm -hmm. and so he builds these yep. and uh, there's a lot of truck campers here at the Overland Rally and teardrop trailers and everything you can imagine because the whole market has exploded what I'm most interested in, in is talking to people who are doing something that's really unique and outside of the box and um, no pun intended outside of the cube yeah. maybe and it's it's a really cool camper i want zach to tell you about it all right well what we have is the cube series camper um it's a folding pop top with hard sides so it gives you great insulation from the heat or the cold um it works out to be about a eight uh, r18 insulation value um so we're we're I don't know we're in what eighty degree weather right now and it's it's about eighty six nice. right now eighty six yeah. and it's it's nice with just the windows open here no it's perfectly comfortable <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, it's it's built to be lightweight it's built to be you know if you have an HOA um, your truck you can lower it down and you can put it in your garage fit it in the garage yeah big so, deal yeah, yeah. so because things just age better and they keep their uh, resale value better if they're undercover yep hundred um, percent so it's also lightweight. Uh, this particular unit is our base unit, um, and it's about a thousand pounds. Wow! 
two points. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so usable for even like Tacomas that are awesome vehicles, but mm-hmm. they don't have an enormous payload, right? Yep. It was based basically around the Tacoma. That's what we used as our our truck for production or for prototyping and everything like that. So we use a long bed Tacoma. Fits in that. It'll fit in the Rangers, the Tacomas, the Gladiators. Um, if you have a short bed, you just have a little bit more that hangs out. If you have a long bed, you have you know a tailgate and a little bit of deck. Eight foot bed, you can close the tailgate, so it's completely in there. Um, our system to mount it to the vehicle just uses your factory straps or your factory hooks. Tie down points. Yep, tie down points. Um, and you just use a ratchet strap and it ties it down, so nothing special there. So interior-wise, I'll just describe, uh, since you're just listening, what we have. Uh, front windows sliding glass with, of course, a screen. Uh, then there's the turn windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, port uh, they push out. Port and starboard. They push out. They've got the, uh, uh, the screen, or you can do the full-on shade, which are awesome. Um, and um, it has the, the for, this, for the galley, it's got the, this is the Dometic system, Zach. Uh, with the stove, Sunbeam by Dometic. Sunbeam by by Dometic's two burner, propane stove, with a sink, and um, does it um, does it drain into a um, like a, a gray, jerry can? Gray water. We have a six gallon gray water. Six gallon gray water. Um, In the basement. Uh, great. Uh, I like the way the cabinetry is done because it's metal. And uh, been been powder coated. Yep. So it's all aluminum. It's a base of aluminum shell. We take it, we build it together, we go powder coat it, and then it gets installed here. So, and same with you know the all the drawers are all on slides. These are all magnets. <laughs> Shop back. Yep. <laughs> it's got a um, it's got a dinette that becomes your interior bed. Um, f- space for fridge. So it's front loader fridge yep. in this one. Yep. Are you able to do an option of a top loader? We have height has been the unfortunately the issue there just because of ah the fold down. Okay. So okay. it is something we've been looking at and we've been trying to find possibly a manufacturer that we can get one made with. Yeah. So there's a countertop. Yep. Uh, for plenty of room for prep food. Um, That's a food. Uh, Tetford is it? It's the cassette toilet. It is a cassette. Oh, I love the cassettes. They're so much better than what I've got. I've got a gray tank in mine. Yeah. So consequently, we don't poop inside very often right. because I don't want to empty the thing unless it's an emergency. I don't use it. Like unless it was a really bad Mexican dinner and we're someplace where there's no place to, yeah. you can't get out and dig a cat pit. That's so this is the option. This is the only option this unit has is the Thetford toilet. So that is optional for, yeah. you know, people like me. I do a tent, a little pop-up tent outside with the toilet. That's how we run everything. So. Right, right. And it is a pop-up, but unlike every other pop-up on the market, as far as I know, there's only one other pop-up that has been on the market for, oh, God, since the 50s or 60s, the Alaskan Camper. Yeah, which slides uh, Which has uh, a different setup than this, but this is hard side pop-up, which means you have way better insulation, um, not only thermal insulation, but sound insulation. One of the things that I deal with, with well, we've we've been now rooftop tent. We've had an expedition camper that's basically had a rooftop tent on it, so soft-sided. Now we have the sportsmobile with a penthouse. That's soft-sided. So uh, if you're a light sleeper like I am, you either get a cube or you get head uh, uh, earplugs. Yeah. <laughs> because otherwise you can't, you know, it's hard to sleep, really. I mean, we've been out in, like, 
God, one night in Beatty, Nevada, when we were on our way to Death Valley, the wind, it, a storm blew in, and it was literally gusting to 60, 70 miles an yep. hour. Yep. And it was, I didn't really get much sleep that no. night. It was freaking awful. Even with injected earplugs into my yeah. ear, the silicone earplugs, no bueno. We were out in so. that, the Alvor Desert, and we were sleeping out there, and the wind picked up. It got 60, 70 miles an hour. Yep. We were in a rooftop tent. We were like, all right, we're done. We're going, we packed it up and slept in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those are the things that, uh, you know, the salesman won't tell you about the rooftop tent. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're great for some people in some situations, um, but the soft-sided ones are really a lot of work to set up, and the hard-sided ones are much easier. But this is, what's your setup time on this to put the pop-up up? Um, it's about two minutes. And it's it's hydraulic. It does go or electric. It does electric, yep. it does go up without any fussing or zipping or trying to stand on your uh, window sills of your vehicle trying to unzip the the rooftop tent. Yeah, you basically you have the front and back wall. You manually drop those down. They weigh about twenty pounds each. Okay. Nice and easy. Get out, hit a button, and it, the, on the driver and passenger side side walls fold in, and they bring the roof down with it as they're doing it. Nice. Storage under the uh, dinette seats. Yep. Always got to have this, storage. This is actually the only wood in the unit. Oh, okay. Just so everything nice. is the composite fiberglass, aluminum, and there's some structural points with steel. No mold, no rot. Yeah. That's uh, that's a big plus. Price on the camper and your current uh, price on the camper yeah, is like about forty-three four ish. Mm-hmm. And build time is how are you guys backed up right now? Uh, yeah, we're, we're probably this is our first production unit, and we'll have the next one done about probably end of next week. Okay. So there there is a, a lead time to them right now. We're basically trying to ramp up now to get them out into the dealers. So these will be all over the United States of the dealers. So you're making them uh, with enough um, margin for uh, to be able to wholesale them to dealers? Yes. Nice. Yes. So nice. All seasons will be the first, and the first probably 10 to 15 will stay here. Okay. Or yeah. just purchased out of here. So. Yeah. Well, Oregon's a good place to stay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of overlanding central. Again, that's because it's our. this is our pr- first production. We built the prototype. We tested, tested, tested for eight months now. Um, and so this being our production one, we still want people close in case there is anything that comes up that we didn't think of so we can get right out to them. And oh, well, that's good. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure customers will appreciate that. That's good customer service. Well, Zach, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to tell us about the, uh, about the, uh, cube series. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for checking it out. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very unique and I love it. So, uh, I'm here. With with John from uh, Ursa Major, and oh, it's minor. I always get the no major worries. and the minor. Small it's a, camper, small it's, a, it's a major small error <laughs> about the minor issue. Um, but we bought uh, years ago. We bought a um, Honda Element in like new condition that he had put the rooftop, you know, the the, the pop up on. Um, and having owned like five Westphalias, I was attracted to this idea. We found it advertised for a stupid cheap price in, in Camarillo, California. And it turned out it belonged to Chris Carter, the director of the X-Files. And um, so I met John because we brought it down for, it, it didn't really need much of anything. We, we had a couple of minor things. I don't know, maybe it was a seal or something on the roof, but it was a, it was not a big deal. But it, we, we drove the piss out of that thing, and it was awesome sleeping up there. So uh, 
John, tell us what your where's the the whole Element uh, market now, and what are you doing with with the Jeeps? Element market's still going pretty strong for us, even though really? they stopped making the last one rolled off the line in 2011, and we still have those coming through every week. Wow! So people are buying them used and bringing them in. Uh, we go back to the old days when we first started building the campers, and people literally like, you do what? Why would you ever do that? Why would you camp in your car? Why on the roof? And we go to a show like Overland Expo now and look around, and there's a hundred vendors selling pop-top camper trailers and rooftop tents and all these things. But back back when we got started, we were really at the tail end of the old VW days. VW had pulled out of the market. There were no vans really being produced that were the size we wanted. And so when Honda came out with the Element No. 3, it was kind of it's kind of a handy size. Uh, and that really, I had been a VW guy myself, and that got us, oh yeah, kicking around, bought one, built a top for it, uh, and you know, we found pretty quickly, we weren't going to sell a million of these things, I didn't get to retire early, but you know, fundamentally, it resonated with old VW guys, people that knew the concept, and so for many years, we started bringing these cars in and converting them for, you know, really, I think about half our customers either sold their VW, or had just sold it, or had had one back 10 years ago, and they knew, like, the story and the explanation was pretty short, um, but they keep coming in. I mean, we're still building. We have two offices now. We build in San Diego and in Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? Um, so we're bringing the Hondas in in both locations. Uh, we've branched out, obviously, with the end of the Honda. We had tried to look into other markets, and that's when we started doing the same thing for the Jeep Wranglers. Yeah. Um, Which but, is a little simpler because you don't have to cut the roof off. You just drop the whole exactly the whole uh, hard top on, right? It drops with it the on top. there. Um, yeah, we don't modify the Jeeps. So when that top goes on, we still install them in our shop. Someone comes in, but instead of being... With a Honda, we need about five days in the shop. Now, yeah. uh, Jeep, we're doing about a half a day. Nice. So you come in in the morning, you probably pick it up after you know we finish our lunch. You'll be ready to drive off. Um, and the other, you know, opportunity we saw with the Jeeps was because the installation is so straightforward. We ship these things worldwide, so oh, really? we can now look out and you know if our Honda fleet was out there, I'm like, I think we shipped one to Japan. There's uh -huh. one rolling around Tokyo. A customer bought it, brought the element to us. We converted it. It went to another place. They switched over from right hand. Uh, left-hand drive to right-hand drive, and then it went off to Tokyo. We've never heard from him again, but there's a couple of them rolling around over there because there's a company that's brokering our vehicles in. Oh, okay. But, you know, we didn't have a lot of international sales in the element, but with the Jeeps, all of a sudden now, we've shipped these things all over. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. we've shipped them to China. We've shipped them to Norway. There's, you know, one rolling around South Africa. So we've, and we've had the opportunity to really move some product and, you know, introduce people to this compact camping concept. It looks like it might be a little easier to get up. I, you know, I was, I'm not terribly limber, and getting through the moonroof mm -hmm. and the element, I could do it, but it was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, but this looks like it's a better configuration because you kind of go up uh, from the side, and um, yeah, it just it looks like it's easier to get up. There, oh yeah, but. I mean the nice thing. So with the element, when we first started building them, we were working only with the four-wheel drive elements because they had the existing moonroof and kind of the yeah. the angle we saw early on was wow, we don't have to cut any sheet metal. We just take the moonroof out, and you're actually climbing through the old sunroof. Yeah. Downside is it set the position and the size of that access way because we didn't right. want to cut the sheet metal. Uh, when Honda dropped the sunroof and we started cutting metal on the elements for the two-wheel drives and the newer ones, I didn't realize they did that. Oh, yeah, so they, they uh, dropped it they out. They dropped the sunroof option in oh. uh, the last couple of years of production. So for us, we're like, oh, we better figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Eh, so once we dialed that in, but, you know, we were still kind of constrained by what was already there and already designed. But when we went to the Jeeps, we can, you know, create the access way we wanted. And the limitation on these vehicles is really just the, the ring formed by the roll cage. So that's why it's not any bigger because you don't want to oh. cut the roll cage out of the car. 
Oh, okay. We yielded yeah. a little bit bigger access way. You know, the ergonomics improved a little bit because we had that flexibility where to climb in. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a guy named Dan, is it Dan Grieg? Yeah, who went I to Africa? Greg, yeah. Greg. Um, yeah, he uh, he had to have affected sales pretty. He did, he did a major expedition through oh, Africa and stuff, did. right? He did. Yeah. Well, we we were pretty low key, as you know, and you know Dan was one of our customers who sort of called and said, "Hey, I think I'm gonna get a camp for me." Okay, great. And he's like, "Can I customize it?" Yeah, sure, great. Got time? What do you want? We'll figure it out. And you know, he's a pretty low key guy. If you watch his videos, that's yeah. what he's like in person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. you know, we built him out a jeep, and he's like. I'm going to take this trip. Oh, have you done a lot of traveling? Well, as a matter of fact, he had. He'd already gone all the way down to Tierra del Fuego and back in his little Jeep. So, yeah, you yeah. know, here's a guy who's like, knew what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, we built that thing, and yeah, he lived out of it for three plus years. I think wow. he's clocked over a thousand nights in his Jeep. Wow. That's awesome. That's good advertising. Yeah, yeah. Because if it holds up for that, you know it's going to hold up for your average person that goes that gets to get out <laughs> we, for a weekend. We sort of joke like Dan in one month does more than many customers do in like a year yeah. or two years. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's it's a lot of weekends to go and live in it full time. Yeah, and that's that's really the litmus test, isn't it, for durability? Is when somebody's living in the freaking thing. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, you kind of like uh, every design has this idea of how long are they going to use it. You have to make that decision. That's you know, fundamental. Is if I make you, it'll last infinitely. The price might be infinite but you know we sort of assume like okay a customer might own this 10 15 years or something easily based on what we saw in vw's and so we tried to size for that but we really really didn't see owners as being full timers very often and yet at this time i mean the other jeep here today she's full time in it so works remote lives in the jeep and oh this is i didn't even glance at this until uh he pointed it out it is sweet she's got this really really set up nice the back seats are gone there's like a a wood floor in the you know uh, at the entryway where the driver's side passenger seat would be um she's got uh, a dometic fridge in there she's got uh, we have that same lagoon table mm -hmm. in our uh, we're now in a, a pop-up four-wheel drive diesel sportsmobile okay. e350 so kind of an evolution from our a lot more space than our, our yeah, element yeah. used to be. For sure. uh, but this is, for one person, this Jeep Wrangler is set up so cool. Um, uh, she's got a comfortable seating position with a table right there, everything at hand. And then she's got the penthouse to sleep in. So very cool setup. Very cool. John, thank you so much for no talking problem. with us. It was, it was cool to run into you again. Yeah, good to catch up with you again. It's always, you know, fun to run across, you know, our, our older campers that are still out in the field, you know, have had many, you know, interesting lives and done interesting things. You're like, well, we never knew where that one was going to go. And thanks to you, we, we had an awesome vehicle for several years, drove it 75,000 miles, and made money on it. So <laughs> you can't beat that, exactly. right? Exactly. It held up for you. No, that's the good thing. That's really nice to hear. Thanks, man. So I'm with Dave Anderson. I'm with uh, Globe Trekker, and uh, we do DIY expedition solutions. This is the only one I've seen on the market that's like this. How's it going, Bill? Uh, nice to see you, again, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so as I as I told Dave yesterday that uh, you know I'm trying to enter. There's so much that you can look at, and so many interviews I could do, but uh, I'm trying to focus on things that are really unique. And this is a really unique business that they have. They're creating uh, basically DIY uh, units that you can put on whatever 
whatever rig you want, you know, a cab over or um, like they've got it on a new F550 Ford diesel and um, they've got their own uh, bed that it's sitting on with 44 inch tires on there, right? I believe these are 43s, but it really doesn't matter one way or the Once other. you get that you, big, you it doesn't freaking yeah, exactly. matter. <laughs> so, so our They're big ass tires. Yeah. The, so the zero torsion subframe, you think of that as your adapter plate for any vehicle. So anything from 24 to 42 inches of frame width, which is pretty much everything that is legally drivable on the road, Okay. that is your adapter plate. So it doesn't matter what chassis it is, you bring the chassis to us, you, we ask you how long the, the bed length is that you have a frame rail, uh -huh. and then we help you design a zero torsion subframe and a habitat to fit your rig. Perfect, so you don't have to go outsourcing the bed to put it on, you guys can, can help with both. That's right, that's yeah. right. And you definitely want a zero torsion because it removes the torsion from your habitat so, so you're not going to be breaking it. So you're not going to be twisting it apart. Even exactly. though ours is extremely rigid, very, very strong, you still want to maintain that uh, that that zero torsion. Yeah. So it's a composite uh, paneling, and you use uh, adhesives to bond the aluminum uh, framework to the to the composite. Yes. So we've engineered our own panels. Uh -huh. So they, it has polyisosanurate, PIR insulation, it's structural foam, and it's a two inches of that. So the full panel itself is an R17, because we have also Asdel as a sublaminate, and then FRP gel coat as the outer laminates. Nice. So it's polishable. Nice thing about gel coat, yes. as opposed to, uh, you know, we looked at a an older, when we were shopping around for a big motorhome, we looked at... Uh, just the high-end rigs like the Beaver Coaches, Four Travels. We ended up buying a Four Travel that has gel coat and um, Country Coach. And the Country Coach would um, they would clear coat the the paint uh, over, right? And when it sits in Arizona like this older rig did, I could literally it would be like a blizzard. I would go down, rub my hand on the side, and it would literally be like snowflakes <laughs> yes, flying. Yes. So, uh, yeah, gel coat's definitely the way to go. And the composite paneling, is it, is it vacuum formed? Or how do, how do you form the uh, bond, the, the foam, and the two panels together? So it is, it is hand laid and press rolled. Press rolled, um, okay. So it, because we have an aluminum extrusion every 24 inches on center. And the aluminum extrusion is so that you can attach the subframe to the habitat. You run a flat bar in that, that acts as a nut plate. And those are all laser cut and and tapped and they match up perfectly with the laser cut subframe so you bolt it right on now you use that same thing in the uh, to run your your electrical lines in your roof now really you don't really need any of the the uh, extrusions in the walls but we put it in the walls too because it creates a, an extremely strong cage around the entire vehicle and it's extremely sturdy and we do it for two reasons one because of panel standardization and the second thing is is um, globe trucker does not skimp on awesome it it, uh, it 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 makes it super super strong you don't really need it but we're keeping it in there just the same yeah you know I can I can uh, validate what Dave's saying about the pressure uh, construction on the panels because I I know a little bit about RVs because I did a uh, uh, for the um, 
the the fifth wheel that I was living in full time for like six years, I got from a company in Junction City, Kansas, oh, called New, New Horizons. You know New Horizons? I, I don't. I was stationed in. Uh, oh, at the at the at uh, here, base there. The base, yeah. yeah. So uh, New Horizons, I I did a product video for them as a partial trade out for one of their demo fifth wheels that I lived aboard, and they were designed from the get go to be. They were the top RV consumer group that rates RVs out in the world. They were the top rated at the time uh, fifth wheel in existence. There was nobody that had a five-star rating like them. And one of the things that I, you know, when I'd go through the factory and I filmed everything, one of the things that they were doing is that they had this huge roller press where they would, they would put the adhesive down between the foam layers and the fiberglass uh, paneling, and they would press roller it and um, you never see a New Horizons trailer of any kind ever aged that has delaminated the way 99% of the crap out there that you see being built That's because right. most most people don't realize how poorly built most RV companies uh, do their construction. And I really appreciate you saying that because education is part of our goal is to educate people on what insulation are they looking for what what is the the r value all of those things uh, most people just kind of take it for granted they see something that looks really really pretty but when you really start taking it apart or it really starts falling apart you find out that the construction of it is not very well yeah and that's something that we wanted to try to avoid um, so so we do a lot of educational videos and we just talk about insulation we talk about a thermal break so such as the the aluminum extrusion that we have has a thermal break so it doesn't transfer heat or cold into the habitat the the four travel that we just sold the 40 foot diesel pusher that we owned used a uh, a steel tubular framework mm -hmm. like welded like virtually a roll cage the same thing that that new horizons did that is why you know that that thermal break is huge yes because it it not only stops that but you know the condensation is not a problem on the inside it's an R14 um, uh, epoxy that goes in there, and it has to have a certain width in order for it to legally be called a thermal break. Okay. So ours is an actual legal thermal break, and uh, you just don't have the condensation problem that you have with other vehicles that don't have that. And for four-season use, this is really important. That's right. um, one of the things I want to point out that I'm observing on their rig is something that nobody else that I've ever seen does. They they do this uh, aluminum extrusion that's all hard anodized, yep. right? And it's got a track so that uh, if you ever damaged it, you could replace it without freaking welding, which is brilliant. I think that's so cool. Um, the the brush way, guards, the brush guards, right? Yeah, the yeah. brush guards. So yeah, every, like he was, Dave was telling me yesterday that we're looking over at the Black Series campers and uh, that they, they do these brush guards, these, uh, uh, armor, yeah, it's made, <laughs> made out of chain link fence material, and yeah, it, it, there's there's a right way to do things and and a um, and a and a mediocre way to do things, and it seems like a lot of people just pick the mediocre way to do stuff. Whereas these guys have, you know, here's my take. This is the thing that really impressed me about uh, Globe Trucker, is because I've looked at a lot of these big expedition campers, and for me personally, they're probably bigger than what at this time of my life is going to be appropriate for what I do and what I could afford. But if you're looking at, and there's a number of manufacturers out there 
that are building these things. You, in my opinion, here's what I would do. I would buy a globe trekker, and even though I'm not nearly qualified or patient enough or have enough uh, skills to fit the interior out, I would totally buy one of these and then just go to somebody and say, I'll put the interior in, put it in like this, because I don't have time or I don't have money or I don't have the skills. I would say you would be better off doing that, am I right? Yes. And you would be better off financially doing it because you probably save an awful lot of money by doing it this way and you can have it custom built. And in my opinion, there's, there's no more versatile uh, camper system out there uh, to, to drop on whatever vehicle you want to adapt it to, right? Yeah, and, and as we say, um, use your sweat equity. So build the doggone thing, use sweat equity, you put a certain amount of money into it, you do as much as you possibly can, whatever you have skills for, and even the, the, the cabinetry inside. You can have all that designed for you, cut out on a laser uh, or, a, or a, um, a CNC machine and deliver it to you in a flat pack. If you can put an IKEA furniture together, you can do this too. That now, can be a strain for me sometimes. At Globe Trekker, we don't, we don't do the inside, but we can refer you to people that, that, nice. that other people have used in the past and have given a very good recommendation. At Globe Trekker, we want you to be out enjoying the outdoors as quickly as possible. And that is why our, our builds are so short. We built this F550 in just four days. We built our wow. the box on our uh, um, LMTV Stuart and Stevenson in three days, and that's including the door and, and windows. Huh. So we want you to be out enjoying the great outdoors. That's one of our goals, and we want you to enjoy it a lot faster. We don't want you to have a hanger queen that sits in your shop for three years while you're building it. Your, your spouse is gonna be upset with you <laughs> and you're gonna lose all of that. that yeah, because this is the biggest chunk. You know, getting, getting, right. getting the box built is, right. is gonna be your most challenging, time-consuming um, thing to, to, have to, to have to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and you have, you have the ability to put uh, racks up there so you can do rooftop storage you can put a you well, we've already got a ladder on the side here so i assume yes. so, uh, so the, the roof's 80, 20, plenty strong enough there's there's t-slots all around that extrusion so nice. anything that is 80 20 can practically go into that so that is where the brush guards are bolted on you don't have to well how am i going to glue these on no you just bolt the brush guards on the same with this pv solar mounts and this customer here that has this f550 he bought this awning this isn't the Globe Tracker awning, but he installed this, or we installed this in 20 minutes. Just right minutes, into the track. Yeah. Right into the track. Yeah, yeah. So it's totally I love the idea of not having to drill holes yeah. in things. I, I, that freaks me out whenever i got to drill a hole in any of my any of the boats I've ever had or my sportsmobile. It just, yeah, or if you, it's or scary. If you, have a, if you need a backup camera, you just run the wire inside that oh, extrusion. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and the wire's hidden. Yeah. So you can do stuff after the fact, which is really important. So uh, custom colors, uh, the gel coat, can you do different colors gel coat or is uh, gray, the kind of light gray? This is light gray, kind of standard with turn windows on it. I'm just trying to describe it here. And the wind's coming up, so sorry for the clipping. Um, there's a massive gusset at the cab over, right where my uh, Northern Light truck camper made like $1,500 worth of gel coat crack damage that I had to repair after doing no more than maybe 
a hundred miles off-road in Baja, right? Oh, no. And I was like, oh man, this was like new. <laughs> so, so the gray is our signature color. It's just to differentiate us from others in the market. Well, we I also, like the gray. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice gray. It's um, light enough to reflect. Yes. But it's, and not get, you, the, the lighter colors don't show the desert pinstriping. Like I've got my sportsmobile is white, which I've got a lot of desert pinstriping, but you can't see it because it's light, right? So the um, interior is that gloss white. Oh, so nice. It, even though okay. uh, our standard height is 81 inches, it really looks like it is, you know, eight foot tall ceiling. Yeah. So how long have you guys been doing these? So we've been engineering for probably three years, um, but bef but after that, when we got a, a lot of our phases done, our parts done, we went live on the website on uh, the twenty um, March, twenty twenty one. Okay. And we've so just been doing social problems. media, yeah, social media, YouTube videos, and this year we decided, okay, this is our our big coming out we're going to start doing all of the expos so that's why we're we're here doing this expo we were out in, in arizona we were in leavenworth we're going to colorado and nice. we're also going to virginia nice you're hitting the road so what's the response been since you introduced this have you uh how have orders been and uh, uh what have people said a lot of jaw dropping especially when we say um you know i asked the question how much do you think that this costs and they'll come up with answers everything up to hundred and fifty thousand dollars and and we tell them what the what the price is and their jaw just drops and then they go we okay. haven't gotten the price yet actually yeah. tell, tell people so for for this f550 the the shell with the brush guards is yeah. under thirty thousand the four point <laughs> subframe zero torsion oh subframe God. is around eight so the prices are extremely reasonable like I said yeah, like I said, well, you put and me, your jaw dropped. Let me tell you it? something. I was just looking at this a similar like truck camper size thing on a smaller, you know, full size truck, not a medium duty over over there, right? Really nice guy from Olympia. Um, they're doing the same DIY idea, not with extrusions and everything, but it looked like a decent rig, and a lot smaller than this, just less mass. It's twenty-seven thousand. That's why my draw, John dropped. I was, I couldn't remember what you told me the other day. The price was, but, oh my God, are you kidding? See, so you that's jaw crazy. Dropped, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking. Well, that that kind of led to the conversation we were having the other day about people spending. Like I've been talking to a few people with doing the, the Mercedes van things. What you could do for that kind of money with this setup is amazing you know and it would be worth more that thing's not going to be worth that in in five years that's right it's going to be a fraction of that that's if right. he's lucky so so my business partner bill he has an lmtv it's military surplus m1078 okay. yeah and he he got it for about 15. now you can get him for right around 20 25. wow and then we built the box on it he's got the entire um, inside built out he's got all the solar everything yeah, on it yeah. he's got about a hundred thousand into the entire vehicle there was a couple that came up to us with their sprinter van and we're looking at it and they're like well we have a sprinter van I says well you could sell that sprinter van for two hundred thousand dollars and you can get two of these which are so much more capable than your sprinter van even one of them 
So it is, it is extremely affordable to do. Um, and, and, and you might think that, well, wow, that's really, really huge. It's too big of a vehicle. So it's, it's extremely affordable. Um, well, in terms of the sizing, uh, in terms of the sizing, yeah, it's, it's a bigger rig. It's, it's a bit wider than a sprinter. You know, I have to kind of be careful where I take the sportsmobile because yeah, it weighs 10,000 pounds and it's, what is it, 75 inches wide? What's the width on this? overall um, so overall width from brush guard on one side to brush guard on the other side got is it. 98 inches 98 inches so you got to allow for that so yeah there are places that you wouldn't be able to take this that you might be able to take a van so it really comes down to what you're using it for and how much space you want but i mean into that mix people should really be considering how much you know if i'm taking a loan out for something that's like a quarter million dollars it's going to be worth a quarter of that at the end of its effective life this, this is a way, way more economical way to do it. Yeah. Plus, you've got an actual RV. Uh, it was tough for us to come to the decision to sell our 40-foot diesel pusher and spend our winter, start spending all our winters in a 20-foot-long sportsmobile Econoline van um, because the difference in space and comfort, you can't get away from each other. Vans are little. This is an actual RV, you know? It's the way this is set up. It's like the, the burliest class C motorhome that you could possibly imagine. And you have tons of space and it's going to outlive you and your children and probably your children's children. They might have to rebuild the engine, but I'm guessing that when you look at Alaskan campers that were built in the 50s that are still being sold online and functional, if an Alaskan camper is built is, is uh, spindly as it is, this thing is literally going to be a generational machine that you can pass down if you don't, if you don't end up selling it, right? Indeed, Indeed. The, the, the owner of this F-550, this is his retirement rig, and, and he's nowhere near as old as I am. So, so uh, I think he just celebrated his birthday while he was out here. I think he turned uh, 40, 43, I believe. Oh, wow. Young so guy. this is his retirement vehicle. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So how far, like, what's the lead time for you guys currently with the orders you're taking? How, how far out are you? Like a year or two years? Are you ready for your jaw to drop? Eight weeks. No, come on, really? <laughs> so everything is built in the USA. Yeah. So, and it's, and it's right here in Portland. So not only do you not have to pay sales tax because you pick it up here in Portland, yeah. but we can get a panel set um, done in eight weeks. Nice. So you let us know what you, what you need. Uh, we'll give you an engineered print. You check out that engineered print. If you approve that print from that day, eight weeks later, you should be getting a kit. That's that's pretty impressive. And tell me again where, where you guys are based out of. Where's your production facilities? It's at uh, Clackamas Metalworks in Portland, Oregon. Oh, you guys are just right here. Yep. Okay. It's You've got me convinced. At some point, maybe within the next couple of years... I'll take that project on. If you can run a caulk gun, and if you can run a tape measure, that's and know if you cross <laughs> if you cross it over and they're equal, then that's square. Yeah. You can build this box. If you can't build it, or you don't have the room to build it, we are developing a list of builders that you can take your kit to, or they can pick up the kit, take it to the builder, and they will build it for you. Nice. 
I, I wish you could see this, but uh, if you can't, which of course you can't because you're only listening. So go to globetrekker.com. RVglobetrekker.com. RVglobetrekker.com and look at what they do. Before you buy anything, if you're shopping, just do yourself a favor and don't submit to the lemming syndrome and just do what everybody else does. Think outside the box. Maybe that's the right choice for you, but you should really look at what is available here before you make that decision. And signing off with Dave from Globe Trekker. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. There you have it. That's just a very small cross-section of the total number of vehicles that were exhibited at the 2022 Pacific Northwest Overland Expo. It's amazing to me to see how broad the market has gotten, how many products are out there now, how even major auto manufacturers have gotten into the game with Ford, with Hummer, with Toyota, and just even Honda coming out with their, I guess it's the passport that they are shooting for that overlanding look and that overlanding market that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon with, which is a good thing for us that do off-road adventure exploring. And the market has grown so big that I just wonder where it's going to go to. So we're going to do another couple of episodes, one for gear, one for travelers, interviews that I've done with some of the travelers that were doing extensive world expeditions on either motorcycle or four-wheel drive vehicle, did a few of those. It's just so much time that I spent recording that I have to split it up into some categories for your listening convenience and to make a little more coherent sense of the whole the whole thing. So that will follow in the next two episodes and we're looking forward to doing this expo next year and see what is being exhibited and next year I'm going to try and get hooked up with some of the the seminars. I didn't really do any of the seminars to speak of this year, and there were a lot to choose from for cooking, for recovery, for travel, for customs, for setting up your vehicle. It was just huge, and I spent a lot of the time this year, pretty much all my time really, just interviewing people related to vehicles, gear, and some shorter interviews with travelers. So I look forward to doing more of that next year. I'm glad they're coming back. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Wheel Adventures.